Hi everyone, you are listening to Cinema 5000. I am Mallory, your host, here to talk to you about some movies I have recently seen. As per usual, I talk through whatever films I've seen, let you know how they were, and how many films I have seen total as far as the numbers on my letterboxed count. So we're currently at 5,309 films. Included in that number um i don't always log like short films i feel mixed about it because i'm generally thinking of those numbers as features but i'm gonna stop separating and dividing shorts from feature films because you know i watch some shorts here and there and i need to give them some credit and mention them on this show uh but included in that number are the four short films that have recently been released on Netflix by Mr. Wes Anderson. And we're going to talk about them in this episode. So 5,309. And where do we start? Where do we go? We go all the way back (laughs) to September 25th. Seems pretty far (laughs) considering there's been a whole different episode uh in the middle of me seeing that until now um when I did the rewatch recap episode of all the things I had already seen before uh but the film we're going to talk about first today is Tenebrae by Dario directed by Dario Argento from 1982 the tagline is terror beyond belief An American writer in Rome is stalked by a serial killer bent on harassing him while killing all people associated with his work on his latest book. And this film stars Anthony Franciosa and John Saxon, Daria Nicolodi, among others. Some familiar faces who have been in other Dario Argento films in the past and (laughs) a few you may or may not know this, uh, but Dario Nicolodi, uh, she was uh, in a relationship with Dario Argento and is the mother of Asia Argento, their daughter. Uh, so, Tenebrae. <laughs> now, I've been wanting to see this one for a while. I think Argento's movies, which are all Italian giallo-style films, are all very interesting and fun, and if they're not good, they're at least something to look at. Tenebrae is one of his better films, in my opinion. Like, Suspiria is, like, the tops. Um, I really like Phenomena. Uh, that one is so creepy and bizarro and kind of incoherent. <laughs> I do like Deep Red and Opera as well. Uh, Tenebrae is certainly something that turns up the gore factor. There are some very disgusting moments in this movie, and that made it all the more fun. It's really just a matter of, well, these people have interacted with this author in some way or the book and then they're just getting chased and maybe killed (laughs) and uh it's a mystery about what's going on what's the connection between this existence of the book the author and these deaths that have happened not much else to explain but i really enjoyed this one i thought it was fun and little nasty and grotesque and everything i look for in in argento's work uh shot well uh, good performances by the actors, but then again, the the dubbing that you come to expect with Italian cinema, it is what it is. You accept it, but I enjoyed this a lot. I definitely recommend Tenebrae from 1982, directed by Dario Argento, and this is out there on streaming. If you've got Canopy or Shutter, you can definitely watch it 
right now just you know on your subscription as is uh and it's also available on amc plus in case you have that through uh let's see prime or the roku channel or you can rent it now as far as spooky season goes i would highly recommend that as a movie to check out because it is so so much fun <laughs> uh yeah so let's move on uh, a newer film from 2000 and 23 it is the creator directed by gareth Edwards. The tagline is, this is a fight for our very existence. Amid a future war between the human race and the forces of artificial intelligence, Joshua, a hardened ex-special forces agent grieving the disappearance of his wife, is recruited to hunt down and kill the creator, an elusive architect of advanced AI who has developed a mysterious weapon with the power to end the war and mankind itself. Right off the bat, I'll just go ahead and say, if you are someone who likes the look of the films that Gareth Edwards has done in the past, such as Rogue One, uh, his version of Godzilla, uh, you won't be disappointed in this movie because <laughs> um, it looks great. It is a very fun looking film and has great ideas of scale and cities and then rural areas in this, uh, this land that's called New Asia. I think it's basically a continent that has been reformulated as such since this battle between real people and the artificial intelligence robots of such uh, robots who look more human and robots who look like robots really in line with kind of robots that you might see in like the star wars universe um <laughs> but the problem with this movie uh as much it is as it is glorious to look at has great ideas about what this future verse can be um, the story is really terrible. <laughs> the script is bad. Uh, I didn't think the character of Joshua, who's played by John David Washington, was very interesting. I don't think he was bad, but it just was a bit of a dry character we've kind of all seen before, who then sort of gets uh, involved with this childlike AI, <laughs> the creator, and uh, he becomes invested in the child and its future and making sure it is not harmed or captured and such and it goes down this rabbit hole of questioning that is so so bad and <laughs> very very reminiscent of movies you may have seen before such as Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049 <laughs> um a big problem with this is it's just that it is all looks great gowns beautiful gowns uh but just such a terrible film to really if you think about it for more than a minute <laughs> um <laughs> um yeah i think i just ripped off somebody's letterbox but no um no that is the exact same thing i thought when i saw this um yeah it was kira sorry kira um, <laughs> um but it, it's it's just such a movie that wants to wow you on one level but then forgot about the most important part which is the very heart of it because at the end of the day, the visual experience can only be so much. And if you're not James Cameron with a mega, super ridiculous budget, um, what can you do? Um, apparently, the creator only cost $80 million, which I think for what this movie looks like, that's amazing. It's a fantastic looking film, as I said. And uh, I would be very shocked if it didn't make it to the shortlist for the end of the year for like the Academy Awards. 
uh, and maybe it could win because we don't have an Avatar this year. We don't have any kind of big visual feast films that really could take the prize. I mean, I'm going to look at my diary real quick and see, you know, what films have I seen this year that maybe would provide such a visual kind of thing that it's so remarkable and fantastic and would be deserving of such an honor, and I just don't see anything. Uh, yeah, sorry, Marvel, uh, you just didn't do it this year, but I gotta say, the creator, if you're looking for something visually compelling, you definitely get it, but outside of the visuals, it doesn't really have a lot to offer, unfortunately. I had to give this two stars. It just didn't float my boat. Um, uh, it felt a bit ridiculous after a while because the first hour or so is is good. And then it sort of goes into areas that are really expected and predictable. And ultimately, the ending is just such a terrible, terrible ending that really made me roll my eyes and want to leave the theater. But I had to stay to the end just to know what was going on with the final 10 minutes or so. At that point, you just have to kind of laugh it off and be like, well, I'll be out of here shortly. So the creator from 2023, directed by Gareth Edwards. It's only two stars for me, unfortunately. And it also stars Gemma Chan, Allison Janney, and Ken Watanabe. All right. So uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, there were those uh, short films that have been released on Netflix that are directed by Wes Anderson. The first one that I watched is The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar. And I should let you know up front, all of these films feature the following five actors. Uh, Riff Fiennes, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, Dev Patel, and Ben Kingsley. Riff Fiennes shows up uh, specifically to be a presence as Roald Dahl, like, interjected into these stories, but uh, he's also in uh, one of the films I'll tell you about shortly, but he just plays Roald Dahl and a policeman in The Wonderful World of Hem Henry Sugar, and Henry Sugar is played by Benedict Cumberbatch. No tagline, but the story goes like this. A rich man learns about a guru who can see without using his eyes. He sets out to master the skill in order to cheat at gambling. Uh, <laughs> this was fun. I didn't love it. I, it wasn't my favorite of these either, but it was entertaining. Uh, I gave this three and a half stars, but I don't want to say too much about it. Just that there's a certain rhythm and beats that Wes Anderson does when it comes to how this is edited how the actors are saying their lines and telling you the story <laughs> and how the movie sort of slides back and forth with the images specifically in this one but moving on to the next one i watched that was poison the summary is this when a poisonous snake slithers onto an englishman's stomach in india his associate and a doctor race to save him the man who is experiencing this stuff with the snake is played by Benedict Cumberbatch and then <laughs> the doctor is played by Ben Kingsley and Dev Patel plays the supervisor who is trying to save this man's life. Um, this is fun. It's fine. This is really short. It's only 17 minutes while Henry's Sugar, uh, that one was, how long was it? Like 37 minutes. So a bit more to invest in Henry Sugar, but Poison was still fine. Like I didn't hate it. It was just, oh, it's over. Okay. All right fine. Uh, <laughs> the next one I watched after this one, this was the first one I saw that included the actor Rupert Friend. Uh, it is The Rat Catcher. In an English, si excuse me, in an English village, a reporter, 
and a mechanic listen to a rat catcher explains his clever plan to outwit his play. The rat catcher in this is played by Ray Fiennes. Uh, Richard Ayode also is in this one as well as, like I said, Rupert Friend. Uh, <laughs> this one was cheeky, fun <laughs> on the rat stuff, and just the way that Ray Fiennes looks is quite clever <laughs> um but i can see how someone might not like this one and might even think it's like the worst one because it is a little bit more light and fluffy while poison is like somebody might die maybe <laughs> um but yeah the last one i watched now this one was my favorite it's called the swan uh two large ignorant bullies ruthlessly pursue a small brilliant boy and this one has rupert friend just as the main star along with a young boy who is emulating uh this boy character who's played by asa jennings uh, his character's name is peter watson rupert friend how he narrates the story and both portrays himself as the narrator and then the young boy is really fantastic uh this one kind of tugged at your heartstrings a little bit but i had it had so much to offer as far as visuals and scope of what the story is to tell uh yeah it was touching and kind of tragic and also really lovely uh i would hope that netflix is like submitting all of these to like the oscars for the short list of short films and live action short and this one i think would definitely be the best one in my opinion though i could see them pushing henry sugar more so because that one that one probably feels in some ways to be the most complete because it has multiple layers of the story and different characters rather than just being this sort of central narration and uh character thing but um i do think the swan is really lovely i also gave that three and a half stars um so overall i do definitely recommend checking out all four shorts because they were all really wonderful and if you're familiar with west anderson's work he's doing more of what he does really lovely uh things for like visually and working with his actors and giving them just the right amount of ways to play and have fun but also tell a story uh that is up his alley and i think these were just just great and i'd i'd love to see what other kinds of things uh wes anderson could do with rodal's work it's just such such a good fit uh but yeah i uh, i appreciate all four of these and i'm so glad they're out there to watch just to give you something else to taste and yeah i uh Definitely think you should check out Asteroid City if you haven't seen that one from Wes Anderson, which came out earlier this year, and I'm pretty sure it's on Peacock, and I would love to watch that one again. <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> something else that's on Netflix, but something I just did not care for. It's Fair Play from 2023, directed by Chloe Domont. The tagline is, competition is close. An unexpected promotion at a cutthroat hedge fund pushes a young couple's relationship to the brink, threatening to unravel not only their recent engagement, but their lives. So this star stars Alden Ehrenreich and Phoebe Dynavor as the couple Luke and Emily, who are so madly in love. And at the beginning of the film, they have this tryst in a bathroom and then they get engaged and they're just like so into each other. Um, <laughs> and what ends up happening is that Emily starts to hear something in the office, some murmuring about Luke and being like, oh my gosh, Luke, you might get this job. But like at the same time, they're very aware of how you know, difficult the work environment they have is. But what ends up truly happening is that Emily gets a call one night to show up and 
meet Campbell, who is one of the bosses in the office at a bar, who's played by Eddie Marson. Eddie Marson is not in this movie enough, and I don't think he said many lines. It was pretty disappointing for me. Um, but she ends up getting this job that she was so sure Luke was going to get. And with this job, she ultimately becomes his supervisor. And then immediately, immediately, Luke starts to give her the cold shoulder. They're not having as much sex as they usually have. He's just not in the mood. Um, And it kind of, kind of, kind of made me question what exactly was going on with these people and why uh, for that just like flip of a switch. Like it wasn't a development over time. It just felt very unnatural that all of a sudden the two of them were just not getting along immediately and having issues and communication problems. And communication problems are a major part of this movie that I found so frustrating. It like didn't take like any time to have these people sit down and really talk about what's going on. They just get into fights quickly. And it kind of made me question how old these people are supposed to be. Are they supposed to be like 24 years old? Because that would make sense to me because that would explain why they're so physically um, into each other, but then can't deal with the pressure and emotional issues that are happening. Like these people just don't, they've never been in something um, in a relationship like this where you have the pressure of your job and then trying to balance it. Like they couldn't deal. I also question why this movie felt like these people didn't necessarily accept the work environment they were in and the pressures that were involved with it and how Luke just like lost his mind immediately and not accepting um, and having problems and it just didn't feel it didn't feel right. It felt like the movie was trying to push like 10 pounds of shit in a a five pound bag it's like let's try to push this idea of all these things and how tough it is but it's not really there and it's not really fitting with what's presented in the film uh another thing uh his behavior was like so uninteresting and typical of a man who has problems accepting the kind of job his girlfriend has it was just like the cl- most cliche things. Oh, well, he uh, he thinks about looking at other things about his job and maybe looking at a different job. And she doesn't support him at all. Now, granted, I think ultimately the movie wants to make them both to be out to be not the best people. But I, I don't understand that angle, especially since he says things to her here and there in the film that he talks about the struggle. He's like, you don't understand the struggle I'm like going through and this and that. And she's not supportive at all. And granted, she doesn't have to be supportive in some instances. But the movie never takes a second to even say or convey what it's like to be a woman in a workplace and how difficult it is uh, as far as interacting with all these people of the opposite sex who are going to have assumptions about you and maybe make you feel intimidated and also make your general day be uncomfortable because of things that are said. The movie glosses over all of that. She could have had comebacks all day long to him about the sexism that she has to be prepared for and how hard it is to be 
in general, a woman in office or a woman in any workplace, period. Uh, it felt like the movie dumbed down the material for general audiences to the degree that it just didn't trust them enough to really get involved with these characters on the level where we see them not just as people in this movie, but as like real people. They weren't developed enough and it felt so incredibly slight to me. I, I found that so frustrating and disappointing about this movie. It clearly like wanted to emulate the movie uh, Disclosure, which is like a Michael Douglas movie with Demi Moore, where there are, is office sexual harassment and problems with relationships and people getting involved who maybe shouldn't get involved. Because the whole thing in Fair Play is that they work in an office where they're not supposed to be in a relationship together. But they go about it in just like a very clumsy manner. And, and another thing, uh, nobody in the office ever found out about them. The movie doesn't really, <laughs> it doesn't like want to say, oh yeah, everybody knew. Like that would have been a good twist. Everybody knew about them and nobody cared. Like nobody follows the rules because it's their work environment and it doesn't do any of that. It just felt like such a missed opportunity to really talk about the differences between men and women in a workplace and it just was going for salaciousness and intensity and I didn't buy any of it. <laughs> I have a lot of complaints about Fair Play, as you can tell. I gave it one and a half stars. Uh, about an hour into this movie, I realized I had another almost hour to go and it just felt so long and just frankly uninteresting as far as exploring this topic and I understand how this might work for some people but don't go into this thinking it's going to be sleazy or it's going to be something that it's not it's really a relationship drama that involves some workplace stuff and I don't think it does any of that very well so as I said one and a half stars from Fair Play for Fair Play from 2023 you can find it if you want to watch it on Netflix Another movie I didn't much care for, uh, <laughs> it's uh, The House on Sorority Row from 1983, directed by Mark Rosman. The tagline is Sorority Sisters, Sisters in Life, Sisters in Death. <laughs> After a seemingly innocent prank goes horribly wrong, a group of sorority sisters are stalked and murdered one by one in their sorority house while throwing a party to celebrate their graduation. So these sorority sisters are all just like having a good time. It's a pretty typical kind of 80s movie <laughs> where uh you know it's all hot people and they're having a good time but something's happening that's causing problems it's weird how this kind of reminded me of the movie uh D D oh gosh what is it is it Diabolique yeah so <laughs> in Diabolique it's about these two women who are trying to take care of somebody <laughs> and uh the body goes missing that they've hid and it is really much, very much a ripoff of that. Uh, the house where these sorority girls are living has a house mother who's older and really uh, gives the girls lots of problems. Uh, <laughs> and uh, they try to take care of her. 
and something goes wrong. <laughs> I'm not going to really spoil this because while I didn't think this was so great, this was a totally fine movie just to put on for like a horror film to watch. And there's some funny scenes in it. Uh, the acting is just okay. Uh, it's not really as much of a skin flick as some horror movies can be. It has a little bit of titillation, not too much, but it kind of sticks to the point, which is just these girls are going to have a good time but something went wrong and they don't know what to do. They're just trying to figure things out. Uh, the ending, I don't know about the ending. That might've been the worst part of it. The eventual conclusion of what has happened to this missing body uh, <laughs> and why harkens back to like something at the beginning of the film, which made no sense in conjunction with the rest of the movie. And it's really too bad. It feels kind of tacked on like they filmed that ending and then they're like, well, we need more of an explanation. So let's put something at the beginning. I didn't care for it. And that's kind of the make or break of it. But at the center of it, it's just kind of a, a standard kind of horror film with some okay bits and nobody's really terrible. Just couldn't give it three stars because of that beginning and ending. And also ultimately because the story is pretty thin, but I didn't hate it. It was all right. Uh, so I give the house on sorority row from 1983 two and a half stars. It is kind of reminiscent to the film slumber party massacre. I didn't care for that one that much, but you could watch these two back to back and <laughs> you'd see some parallels. And also Di Diabolique, I recommend that one. Uh, that would actually be a perfect double feature with The House of Sorority Row. So let's move on. The final film, <laughs> something I uh, saw tonight, wasn't necessarily planning to see. It's The Exorcist Believer from 2023, directed by David Gordon Green. So... Ah, so Regal Cinemas has these mystery movies that regular people can go see for $5, or if you have uh, Regal Unlimited, it's 50 cents to reserve a seat. I spent my 50 cents. I was like, let's go. I had a list of all these movies that I thought it could be because I've been going to enough of these Regal mystery movies that I sort of know what the pattern is of how they have movies, what they present, what they, you know, show and why. I had a list. <laughs> My best bet was the movie Cat Person. Now with the SAG strike still happening, uh, there hasn't been a lot of promotion for this movie. Uh, it has uh, Nicholas Braun in it from uh, Succession and then what's her name? Amelia something who is in CODA. And the movie is in like limited release right now and apparently it did really bad this weekend, but it's based on a a uh, story from the, I think from the New York Times or the New Yorker, the cat person story. So why not show it during uh, the Regal Mystery Movie like they did for Dumb Money, where it's already in very limited release and then give some promo to regular audiences. But then I had some other guesses to uh, Dick's the Musical because that sort of falls in the same thing where it was in like just a couple theaters this weekend show it in the regal cinema give some word of mouth and also the movie the marsh king's daughter as well as the holdovers because those were some r-rated movies that i thought well they're coming out in a number of weeks why not show them but there was something i totally forgot about that i knew was coming out at the end of this month that is i thought was pg-13 but it's actually rated r and this was the regal mystery movie it's the movie freelance which stars John Cena as a, uh, <laughs> a military man turned lawyer to turned then a freelance hitman, I guess. And I watched about five minutes of the movie and I was like, this is like two hours long. I am not going to get through this. So I walked out of that theater and walked just a couple screens down and The Exorcist Believer had just started. So I watched The Exorcist Believer 2023 directed by David 
Gordon Green. The tagline, tagline is, do you believe in life after love? No. <laughs> uh, do you believe? <laughs> Since the death of his wife 12 years ago, Victor Fielding has raised their daughter, Angela, on his own. But when Angela and her friend Catherine disappear in the woods, only to return three days later with no memory of what happened to them, it unleashes a chain of events that will force Victor c to confront the nadir of evil and, in his terror and desperation, seek out the only person alive who has witnessed anything like it before. Chris McNeil. <laughs> As you may know, Chris McNeil is uh, Ellen Burstyn, who played Chris McNeil in the original film of The Exorcist, directed by uh, William Friedkin, who is long gone now, unfortunately. Rest in peace, King. Fantastic filmmaker. Love his work. <laughs> I used to say that about David Gordon Green, too. Back when he first came out with movies like George Washington and All the Real Girls, I was a big fan. Loved those movies. And then the quality of his films kind of went by the wayside and uh unfortunately that is the case here but i will give this movie props for the first hour hour and 15 or so uh, much of the film is just about leslie odom jr's leslie odom jr's character victor who plays the father to angela it's about him and his daughter uh living together as she is a preteen and she has this friend that she's just starting to get along well with oh my gosh what is the name of the girl Catherine. yeah how did I forget that? It's right there. Uh, <laughs> and so what happens is Catherine and Angela, friends, uh, one day after school, they decide to go off into the woods uh, because Angela's been questioning things about her mom and her life. And uh, she's, you know, getting curious like any preteen would. Yeah, they're, they're like 12, 13. Um, and uh, <laughs> the girls disappear. Now, when the girls disappear, everything seems pretty standard. Uh, I will say, like, what the setup is for the movie and the relationship with the father and then this other family that is uh, Catherine's family who is very religious and very Christian. Um, it, it's a nice, uh, how do I say it, nice contrast between what her friend's family is and what her family is because it's just her and her dad and then they've got neighbors in the neighborhood who say things to them like hey you didn't take care of your trash cans and stuff like that and wouldn't your daughter like to come to church someday and it's just kind of like no that's okay it's fine everything's good um but when the girls come back after disappearing there was a number of things that just weren't explained uh, uh, something was commented on of like, oh, these girls went through hell. And it's like, it would have been really interesting if at any point the movie decided to actually show us what happened to them and how they got possessed, because that's what this is about. It's about these girls getting possessed and then sort of the questions of faith between the other family and then, uh, Angela's family and <laughs> how her father is like dealing with, um, still reeling from the loss of his wife and then his daughter being gone the movie didn't really explore any of that but what made matters worse for this movie like i could forgive some like un underdeveloped story stuff that happens in that second half if it had just stayed with that stuff uh it brings in ellen burston as chris mcneil and it just felt like the movie didn't trust itself enough to really exist as a movie as a movie about possession, uh, it really wanted to hone in, hey, this is related to The Exorcist because we brought back Ellen Burstyn. Just so you know, can't exist without that. Need that reference. It's just so disappointing because the first part of this film 
like I've said already, um, it really held its own. It had this lived-in feel, especially since I had just come out of a movie that was so sharp and glossy and disgusting for, like, its five minutes. Like, I couldn't stand to look at it. It had this, like, home that looked like a prefab foam home that, like, somebody had made and just, like, placed all the appliances in the different places and just felt very sickly and, like, fake. And then we go back to, uh... <laughs> where uh, Leslie Odom Jr. is living with his daughter and how his home is like this older home and nothing about their life feels like they didn't work on trying to make it feel like this was a home where just a father and a daughter lived. Like the movie wanted to tell us about them, their emotions, their relationship. Uh, and it was working for me. I was like, wow, I can't believe this is working for me. <laughs> And then it just stopped working for me. Uh, yeah, so everything with Ellen Burstyn is pretty bad and not really needed. And then the eventual exorcism stuff, when that happens, when they get the priest involved, uh, it just didn't work. They have this priest uh, figure come in and I think back to all the stuff to do with Father Karras and even the stuff of when, you know, we get Max von, excuse me, Max von Sydow showing up in The Exorcist and he's there to perform the exorcism with Father Karras and how... All those moments feel so big and just intense. And this movie kind of takes the easy way out, um, <laughs> which is really too bad because excluding that priest character, there was some some interesting stuff happening. Uh, Ann Dowd's character uh, was a lapsed, uh, like she was going to be a nun and she didn't, it didn't happen for her. Other stuff is going on there. I'm not going to say what that is. And then, of course, Catherine's family being so religious, uh, who does end up going along with this. Um, I, I liked them. I liked the casting of them. I thought they worked. I believed it. <laughs> but I didn't love the believer. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it just feels like this whole movie, uh, it was like, okay, forget about that stuff with the beginning. We have to give you that exorcist, you know, stuff in line with the original movie. And then we just have to give you the modern horror kind of shit that just looks very fake and isn't really working like that exorcism could have gone on for a long while there could have been a lot of things done to discuss any and everything to do with the families but that didn't happen uh so it was just kind of crappy and the very 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 end of this movie was pretty terrible to me though I will say there was one very <laughs> interesting moment with a restaurant and two of the characters where it told so much about them without saying anything at all but <laughs> yeah the exorcist believer is not a good movie unfortunately it just tries to cater to general audiences too much doesn't take any chances uh at least in that second half i think that, like i said the first half was like yeah really uh captivating and uh well done so david gordon G green has certainly made worse movies in my opinion <laughs> i think back to the movie snow angels which i really really hated which i think was like his third or fourth movie fourth movie that was after undertow which i did like um i hate to say it but i think i gave halloween kills a higher rating than this one yeah i don't quite hate his halloween trilogy i know some people really have opinions on it but the halloween the halloween films that came before it are their own ball of wax and kind of varying in degree of quality and so i don't really think he does anything any worse than those movies frankly with his new series like halloween kills is obviously the worst one but uh halloween ends like isn't really bad i gave it i think i gave it three stars yeah i give that three stars and the other halloween film the three stars 
Um, but Halloween is an easier, oh no, I only gave it two and a half stars. Oops. Um, <laughs> Halloween is an easier series though, to add modern bits to it though, because we're continuing with Laurie Strode's character and there's no, no need whatsoever to continue anything to do with Chris McNeil. And frankly, it just could have been her book shows up and there's some kind of reference to somebody else from that past and just leave it at that. Uh, but you'd have to do a lot of work to really make the audience buy into it being a continuation of the Exorcist series at that point, which it's not very good at doing that. So yeah, two stars for the Exorcist believer. Um, like I said, David Gordon Green has done worse movies. I think a lot of the reaction to it is pretty severe and I understand it, but <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I've seen worse movies in the last couple weeks. So, <laughs> uh, even in the theater this year, like what movies are worse? Like, okay. Mafia mama, absolutely terrible. Um, <laughs> my big fat Greek wedding three. Yeah. That's a pretty horrifying movie. Uh, the flash, I didn't see it in the theater, but that was in the theater and it was pretty bad. Um, yeah, I could go down the list and tell you all the ones that are worse than the exorcist believer, but I'm pretty sure it's going to leave a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths anyway, especially for that very, 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 very bad immediate ending. <laughs> Hey folks, don't go anywhere just yet. I actually forgot to record an entire movie review for you of something I saw this past week. The film is Past Lives from 2023, directed by Celine Song. The movie goes like this. Nora and Hei Sung, two deeply connected childhood friends, are rest apart after Nora's family emigrates from South Korea. 20 years later, they are reunited in one faithful week, fateful week, as they confront notions of love and destiny. This stars Greta Lee as Nora and Taeyun as Sung. I unfortunately just was not a fan of this movie. I didn't think the writing was so great. A lot of the notions of love, as this says, and destiny were pretty expected and not really surprising. Uh, the beginning part of the film where it talked about the characters and showed their lives, these two young children, I thought was fine. But once it transitioned into their adulthood in their 20s uh, for when they were doing back in the day, uh, Skype calls, <laughs> uh, when they were in college and just getting to grow up a bit. Uh, I didn't, I didn't think it was that great. It was kind of typical. And then when they got older, I, uh, wasn't really a fan of how the movie unfolded and how it talked about these people. It just felt very slight. I, I feel like this movie would have worked so much better, as a short film, like have it just be the three parts, like they're all kind of almost the equal same time. And it talks about those different stages in their lives and what they're doing. But there were so many silences in this movie where I felt like the silences weren't doing anything or they're just been like, okay, we're just gonna like have people not talk here. And I just wasn't feeling anything. And I know that's not the case for a lot of people who have seen this movie because pretty much all of my friends <laughs> on Letterboxd really like this one, but it just wasn't for me. I thought that was this was just kind of missing something, missing a bit of heft. And uh, when it comes to longing and people over time, believe me, I'm an expert in that. <laughs> and the relationships and people we know and wondering what could have happened, what didn't happen, what did happen, whatever. I, I know how that feels. And unfortunately for me, this movie didn't I think, conveys something very compelling to me as a viewer in the audience. And I'm not saying I use my experiences to sort of get in the way of that. I'm just saying 
when I watched this movie, what it presented me just didn't quite work. And I also really did not like the husband character that uh, Nora had. I felt like he was just there to just talk about things in their lives in such a stilted and exposition-formed way to fill us in on the gaps of their lives and like how they met. It just really annoyed me. Uh, it's so it's so sad because I was looking forward to this movie and it just was like, I can't quite make it to that screening and it's just not yet on streaming. I had the maybe chance to go see it like an hour away and it just wasn't going to work. And then when I finally see the movie, I'm just like, oh, that's it. Uh, so yeah, I can only give Past Lives two stars. Just not for me, sadly. Uh I think other movies have done this kind of thing a little better, uh, specifically the movie Before Sunset, which which is just beautiful and fantastic. Uh, I think Past Lives, <sighs> yeah, like I said, could have maybe worked as a shorter film, a short film, not just a shorter film. Uh, I Yeah, it just didn't, it didn't work for me. Two stars for Past Lives from 2023, directed by Celine Song. That is the episode. I hope you enjoyed listening. What's coming down the pike? Okay, <laughs> next episode is a special episode. Um, I might do it immediately after I see the movie, which if you know what it is, you know what it is. But then again, I don't know how much I'm going to have to say about it or if I get annoyed in the theater and I just leave. Okay, I'll tell you. It's the Taylor Swift movie, Eras Tour. I bought a ticket to it. I figure it is my duty as someone who goes to the theater to go see it in the theater. Uh, But I will also tell you that I bought a ticket to the Beyonce Renaissance movie. uh, Because, frankly, a lot of the videos for that on, like, TikTok that I saw made me really want to go to the tour. It just looked like a blast. It looked like so much fun. Uh, though it is a stadium show and I'm not a big fan of going to concerts at stadiums, but now I get to see Beyonce in the theater. So that's fantastic. (laughs) But because of Taylor Swift, like, I don't know what's coming to the theater this week. Um, I do have, I do have a possible film festival movie that I will see hopefully this coming weekend. No guarantees. So I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I'm going to make an effort though otherwise to watch more horror films so if you have any notes comments questions follow along uh instagram twitter cinema 5k or send an email to cinema 5k pod at gmail.com i am mallory thank you so much again for listening and i'll talk to you next time thanks bye